It is brilliant to be with you this evening. And can I just say, I want to echo what Twig said. If you have not seen this morning's message from Nicola, you can grab your phones out right now and save it. Like, I will allow that. Grab your phone out on YouTube, save it, because it was awesome. And I'm actually really excited because she actually touched on the passage that we are looking at tonight. So I am keen for what God is wanting to share with us through that. And I think she is just a beautiful picture, this is Nicola, of what it looks like to live a life that is glorified for God, a whole life laid down with whatever she has, living in service for God. But it's definitely that time of the year. The Christmas hampers have been delivered. The seniors' Christmas celebration is done. Every week, at least, there has been one Christmas party. And the shops have been playing Christmas carols for over a month now. This is not a drill, people. We are in full-blown Christmas mode. And I, I don't want to stress you out, but I may have already finished my Christmas shopping. So no pressure, guys. No pressure. But while we were shopping for our niece and nephews, we were looking at all the toys. And it took me back to Christmas as a kid. And so in the spirit of Christmas gifts, I want you to think now of the favorite Christmas gift from your childhood. Close your eyes if you want. Think of that gift that you were nagging mum and dad for, begging on your knees. And then when you unwrapped it on Christmas morning, your eyes just popped out of your head. Have you got it? Okay, now with that in mind, I want you to think really carefully about this next question. You ready? Where is it now? Where is it now? If you're anything like me, that gift has just vanished into some abyss and you have no idea from when you opened it on Christmas morning to when you actually noticed it missing where it vanished in between. And then you get to the next Christmas and the next gift that you're begging mum and dad for and we're always looking for something to satisfy us. Over this Christmas season, as we prepare to celebrate Christ's birth, we are looking at why Jesus came to earth. And tonight we're gonna to be looking at something that will never vanish like that toy, never fade and never fail to satisfy. Christ came that we may have life and life abundantly. Before we get stuck into tonight's passage in John 10, I want to give you a quick glimpse into the abundant life that Christ has on offer for us. Abundant life is not immortality. It is not breathing or a beating heart. Abundant life is also not about having what the world can give. Abundant life is about having what only God can give. Eternal life. Knowing the Father and the Son. So if you have your Bibles with you, grab them open now, otherwise it'll be up on the screen. We're gonna read John chapter 10, verses one to 11. And before we start, I just wanna set the scene a little bit. In chapter nine, Jesus has just healed a blind man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are outraged. They are so angry. They call Jesus a sinner and say that he is not of God because he doesn't uphold the Sabbath. And so it is this audience, these Pharisees and Jesus' disciples, sorry, that Jesus now speaks to in chapter 10. 
So let's take a look from verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before him and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus gives them another chance to understand with a second illustration from verse seven. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief came only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shef good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, as we come to this passage, we just wanna invite your Holy Spirit into this place and we ask for your help, Lord. Would you open our eyes to the message that you have prepared for us. Father, open our ears to hear your voice, open our hearts to recognize you. And we just pray that by the power of your spirit, you would translate this passage for us and show us what you want us to know about your great and loving character tonight. In your name, amen. In the time that this passage was written, a shepherding was a very familiar and very common concept to Jesus's audience. During the day, the shepherd would lead his flocks to pastures to feed. And then to protect them at night, shepherds would take their sheep to a communal sheepfold. I think we might have a photo of it up on the screen. It's essentially a sheep pen with only one entrance guarded by a gatekeeper who would only allow shepherds with the right and the authority over the flocks to enter leaving the only way for thieves and robbers to steal the sheep by climbing in another way over the walls. But the sheep would not go with these thieves because they were a stranger. And so the thief would actually kill the sheep in the pen and toss it over the wall. They would then take the wool, take the meat for themselves. These thieves came to kill the sheep steal the sheep, and destroy the shepherd's flocks. When Jesus said this, he was speaking directly to the Pharisees and false teachers who had neglected the people, who were so blind to God's heart that they called Jesus a sinner for healing on the Sabbath. There are still thieves today, false teachers, and the ultimate false teacher and thief, Satan, who have come to take life but Christ, the good 
shepherd came to give life. Jesus called to his people by name to give them life and life abundantly. This passage paints a beautiful picture of the life abundantly that Christ has come to give us. But before we get into that, I want to make very clear what abundant life is not. The world defines abundant life as comfortable living, claiming that you have everything you want, you will be satisfied. It is immediate pleasure, it is deceptive, and it does not last. When we look for our own pleasure and satisfaction in the world, we are never satisfied. So we keep pursuing the next hit, the next fix of happiness, the better paying job, the bigger house, the better social status, the more followers, the higher score, the latest trend clothes, the greater possessions. Anything and everything we want, and we want far more than we need. That is how the world defines abundance. But the saddest part is in our insane pursuit of getting abundance, of getting this worldly abundance, we reject what we need. We reject who we need. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, said, it would seem that our Father finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. One of the greatest dangers to the Christian life is believing that abundant life that Christ offers entitles us to physical wealth, good health, and easy, comfortable living. Straight away, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, Jesus tells us that his abundant life cannot come from things of this world. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we need look no further than Jesus' own life and the lives of his disciples to see that true abundant life does not mean physical possessions or even physical safety. Jesus himself was poor, ridiculed, humiliated, tortured and executed. James was beheaded. Peter was imprisoned and crucified upside down. And Paul, Paul was stoned, shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned and beheaded. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says this, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, 
in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And yet these men experienced a depth and a fullness of life that we cannot even begin to comprehend, which begs the question, what is abundant life? What is this abundant life that Christ came to give us? The abundant life that Jesus speaks about in John 10 is life that only Jesus can give. Life that the good shepherd gives by laying down his life for his sheep. Eternal life. And I just want to take a moment to unpack this a little bit. You see, eternal life in the original Hebrew is better translated to life unto the age. And the age can be any length of time. It doesn't mean necessarily forever or eternity. It doesn't start when we physically die. Life unto the age was first used to describe the life that humanity was invited into in the Garden of Eden by God. God invited them to experience life directly connected to his divine purpose. But in the fall, we rejected this invitation and we entered into a life of death, an age of death. But Jesus came. He came for us to live and have life unto the age, life knowing God. And John actually articulates this for us further on in chapter 17, verses one to five. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only one God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God glorified the Son and gave him the authority to give eternal life, which is this, to know God the Father and to know the Son. The abundant life is knowing God. And this knowing isn't merely a knowing of or a knowing about. It is a deep intimate knowledge, to be truly known and truly loved. To know God is to love him fully and completely. For instance, I know my own dad. I don't just know of him, but I know him deeply. I know his character. I know what makes him smile, what makes him laugh. I know what upsets him, and I know what makes him proud. And I love him. In the same way, eternal life comes through knowing our heavenly father, experiencing his love and loving him back. There's a reason God is called our father. His desire is for relationship, for intimacy with his children. You see, eternal life starts now. 
because knowing God starts now. Eternal life does not start when our hearts stop eating or when we take our last breath. Eternal life is knowing the Father and the Son in this life and the next. This is the abundant life that Paul experienced despite all his suffering. And he says it in Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. When we recognize that true, abundant life is knowing God, we see it beautifully illustrated in John 10. In biblical times, a shepherd would gather his flock out of the shared sheepfold simply by his voice because his sheep recognized his voice and his voice alone. His sheep knew him. Abundant life is knowing the good shepherd, Jesus, recognizing his voice as he calls you by name. Abundant life is the good shepherd leading you in and out of the sheepfold, out of sin and condemnation and into adoption into God's family. It is assurance of your place in Christ's flock, assurance in your position and inheritance as a child of God. Abundant life is living in this broken world with confidence in the rich spiritual protection and the provision of salvation that comes from knowing Christ and the Father. Your abundant life, your eternal life starts right now. You can know Christ and the Father right now when we know God, and I truly mean know God. It changes the way we live our lives. John Piper says, if we do not know God, we cannot know what it means to have life or live godly lives. Everything, everything needed for life comes through knowledge of God. And this knowledge of God moves us to one response and one response only, to worship and glorify Him with our whole lives. We were created to worship and glorify and enjoy God. And it's not until we are living lives that bring glory to God do we experience the abundant life that he has on offer, like that of the apostles. Our life's purpose is to glorify God here on earth every day and every day after that we spend dwelling with him in heaven. I can't tell you what God wants you to do with your life. That is for you to discover by drawing near to him, by knowing him intimately, and he will reveal the plan that he has for your life and how he wants to use you powerfully. But I can tell you what the abundant life looks like. It is a life lived wholly for the glory of God. Those who know God and are living out their eternal lives right now live lives that are marked by the Spirit, by love, 
gentleness, kindness, joy, self-control, compassion. It is seen in the way that they spend their time and their money, how they speak, how they refuse to participate in gossip and only speak highly of others, how they work, the way they boldly bear witness to everyone they meet of the salvation that is found in Christ. It's seen in the way they hold their heads high when they are isolated and when they are treated poorly because of their beliefs, because they live with an assurance and a confidence of knowing whose they are. These people live lives that are so countercultural, so challenging and so bright that we cannot take our eyes off them. People living out their eternal lives now will have such a quality of life that is so striking, so different from what the world has to offer that the world stops and notices and the world yearns for it desperately. Is this the kind of life that you want? Or more importantly, is this the kind of life that you are living? Because this is the abundant life that God has on offer, that Christ came to give you right here, right now. Are there areas in your life that you're holding back from glorifying God, that you're wanting to have control over? areas in your life where you're not giving it fully surrendered to God. Do not miss out on knowing your heavenly Father and the life that he wants to give to you by being drawn to what the world has to offer. When we try to find satisfaction in the things of this world, we are rejecting Christ and what he has come to give us. The thief deceives us, Satan deceives us, telling us that the abundant life can only be found in wealth and most dangerously, comfortable living. Don't we want more than this? Aren't we sick of constantly trying to pursue contentment and satisfaction in this world, being disappointed again and again? There is so much more. Don't be content with making mud pies in a slum when a holiday by the sea is being offered to you. There is more than being dissatisfied with what the world has to offer or the shallow and fleeting happiness that is found in worldly and material things. We've got to take a serious look at our hearts and ask, what are we pursuing? Are we pursuing abundance or are we pursuing the one who has promised it? The end goal is not heaven. The end goal is God and knowing him. God is the ultimate gift. And I wanted to wait to share the second part of John chapter 10. We've spoken about Jesus as the good shepherd, but in verse seven, he says, I am the door to the sheep. In biblical times, often a shepherd and his flock were unable to return to the communal sheepfold because they had wandered too far away. And so the shepherd would create his own sheepfold with whatever he could find. 
and he would lay down at the entrance and sleep there to protect his sheep. The shepherd himself became the door. There is only one door, one way to salvation, one way to knowing the Father, and that is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. As the good shepherd laid down in the entrance of the sheepfold to protect his sheep, Christ laid down his life for those he loves in order that they may have life abundantly. Abundant life is not of this world. It will never fade. It will never fail to satisfy. Christ is offering you true life and life abundantly now. And I'm aware that there are people here tonight who have said, God, I'm all yours. God, I've given you my life to glorify you. And maybe you're in a season where the life you're living does not sound like abundant life. Where you can feel the thief wandering around the walls. Or maybe you're caught in the midst of his plan to steal, kill and destroy. And maybe the abundant life looks like a fairy tale compared to what you're going through right now. But I want you to know you are in God's family. God has promised you victory over this. We don't need to be afraid because our good shepherd will protect us in the darkest of valleys. If God does not make a way out, he will make a way through. That is what he has promised his children. Claim his peace. Claim his confidence because you are under the protection that comes from knowing the good shepherd, Jesus. Knowing the only one with the power and the sovereignty over all of creation. To close tonight and in light of what we've spoken about, I just want to read you one of the most well-known psalms. You may know it. Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to read that to you again, but slightly different this time. Jesus is our saviour. He gives us everything our souls need. He blesses us with everything we need to do the work that he has given us to glorify him. Christ is all that we need. 
even though in this life we may suffer, we may be poor, sick and starving, harmed, persecuted and humiliated. We are not afraid because our hope, our joy and our assurance is in Christ Jesus. The Lord will protect our souls. He will never allow the evil one to take us from his family. Our lives are so full. What more could we ask than to know our heavenly father? What more could we want? For he is always good. And he will love us every day of our lives. From this day until forevermore. We have abundant life in knowing our Heavenly Father. Would you bow your heads as we pray? I actually just want to give you an opportunity tonight as well. If you have never known God, and I mean really known Him, if He has never been your Father, never been the one that you look to, the one that you love, the one whose character you know like the back of your hand, I want to give you an opportunity to start that journey tonight. True life, life abundantly is found in God and I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on that. So whether you've never known God or whether maybe He's been just an acquaintance in your life, that overseas friend you talk to occasionally, but you don't know them. I want to give you a chance to respond tonight and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know the abundant life that is found in knowing you, knowing you deeply. I want to live with courage, knowing whose I am, knowing that nothing can harm me, because you are all I need. And if that is you tonight, I want to pray for you. You can echo these words in your heart. Oh, Lord, good and loving Lord, we thank you that you came. Jesus, you came to this earth for us. We were broken. We are sinful, Lord, and yet you came so that we may know the Father. Father, tonight I lay down my life to you and I take up the abundant life that you have given me. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for me and being raised again three days later, that I may know my heavenly Father, my Creator, my Beloved. I wanna live the rest of my life for you, Lord. I give my life to you that I may spend every day in this life and the next to glorify you, amen. Father, I just wanna pray for all those people who responded tonight, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, Lord, you see them. You see their hearts and you know where they are and you love them. 
Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself in a new way. Father, overwhelm them by your love, by the love that is found in knowing you. Lord, would they grow in love for you every single day. Protect them, Father. That is your promise. Claim them as your own. Claim them as the sheep in your flock, as your family, Father. And I just want to pray for those who are really struggling right now, who have accepted God, but that abundant life is nowhere near. Lord, I thank you that you are with them. I thank you that you are strong enough to carry them through this. You've not left them alone, Lord. You are right beside them. Would you make your presence known beside them? Would they know your strength? Would they know your will? Would they know your faithfulness, Lord? You are never gonna fail them. You will lead them through this. That is your promise. Father, show them that despite whatever is going on in their lives, whatever pain, whatever darkness is taken over, you are enough. You are strong enough to overcome. Just like Twig said, take heart for God has overcome world. Lord, we want to live lives that are fully surrendered to you, glorifying you with the everyday, with our work, with our words, with our speaking, with our actions, with every opportunity you give us, Father. Show us where we might be falling short, where we're not giving that 100% to you, where we are holding back, Lord because we know that life without the life giver is not life at all. Father, we give our lives to you because you are worthy and you're worthy of it all. Amen. Would you stand as we come to worship God now? And I want to encourage you that if if you feel led, If God has placed something on your heart tonight, maybe an area that you're holding from Him, maybe a lack of knowing Him or maybe knowing Him for the first time, the team is up the front and we have a prayer team up the back. We would love to pray for you. Can I encourage you to come down the front and just kneel and say, God, I want to glorify you with everything. Knowing you is the greatest gift I could ever ask for. Why don't we do that? Why don't we worship our Lord?